Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett. And on today's episode, we are joined by Mr. Matt Ryder, CEO of Sales Snipers. Uh, if you're someone who's wanting to be growing your sales, improving your sales, improving your sales skills, this is the episode for you. You will not want to miss it. Uh, Matt goes into a couple of different strategies and tactics, some key metrics. So if you're a business owner wanting to grow a sales team, we've got you covered there as well. And of course, if we can ever help you with your marketing, just head over to our Facebook group, www.joinmygroup.com.au, where we have everything you need and more. But until then, let's jump into the show. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. No worries. Thanks for your introduction. Oh, of course, man. You know how I do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, I always like to ask the same question at the start of every podcast, which is if I met you at a party, we're having a few drinks, and I said to you, Matt, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? We know how some uh, business owners, maybe they struggle, I, I guess, to kind of connect that whole sales and marketing piece. So what I do is I kind of, I guess, help them, you know, take the burden of responsibility from that sales process off so they can focus on their true area of genius. Mm, nice. Nice. I like that. It's almost like you're in sales. That was pretty, that was pretty smooth. It's almost like I've written that out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you practiced that once before. Well, you know, you know, the, uh, you know, the two comic club thing, whatever it's called, Funnel Hackers Live is coming up. So I gotta, I gotta be fucking throwing out, I'm just gonna be throwing out business cards like it's going out of fashion, right? Yeah, of course, so, yeah. of course. Yeah. I love that. Easy. And so how did you get into that? Because obviously a lot of people like, uh, I've got to assume that most young kids when they're in school don't go, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a salesman. Like what was your journey to getting into, you know, the world of sales, world of marketing, all that fun stuff? Yeah, like uh, I mean, I'm definitely not into the the world of marketing at <laughs> the levels that you are, but I think in terms of sales, um, it just became a mechanism of I enjoy two things: one is eating, and the second is having a roof over my head. And so I was in a position where those things were in jeopardy, um, and I, I needed to I needed uh, I needed to leverage a skill set that I had, which is like communicating and talking. Um, I've always been a talker. Like, and that comes back from when I was a kid. I went to eleven different schools. Um, I lived in a new house. The longest I've ever lived in a house is three years. It's ever in my entire life. Um, so I was always the new kid, um, and and so I had to kind of develop a quick wit and and a good ability to talk to people. I was not good at selling, but I had an acumen for communication. And so when I sort of transitioned that into like. I, I actively sort of said, okay, I'm now someone who does sales a, a fair bit. Then I was able to kind of translate that and over a period of years through looking at it in a fairly analytical way, become proficient enough at it to where I could do it full time. And what was the transition from being proficient at it enough to do it full time? Did Was that when you were good or like, when did you become to the point where you're actually able to, because there's a difference between being good at sales and being able to put a roof over your head and eat and being able to grow an actual income, you know, build wealth and things like that. Yeah, for sure. So like, um, you know, I was working for a guy that we both know, uh, TJ, um, sort of um, selling gym memberships. And that's a really, really great grounding in sales um, because it's high volume, highly emotional, 
low ticket. So like there's little pressure to close every individual deal. Whereas if you're closing like a business coaching package and it's 30,000 bucks or 10,000 bucks, whatever, but it costs 400 bucks to get the person that call, like that's a lot of money. So if you close one in five, that's $2,000 plus you have the audacity of demanding 20% comms and you know (laughs) know what I mean? And then from there, like, okay, that's another thousand. So now it's 3000 bucks to get that person to buy and you're only making five takeaway tax. Like you're not making any money, right? So like you, you have to be really proficient. So it's a very high stress kind of um, environment when you're walking into that. And I think that's why a lot of people don't do well in the beginning because they're starting there. But I had the lucky, I just like, I accidentally like became the sales guy for that business because like no one else was doing it. And so I sort of went, well, like I'll just do it, right? So got the opportunity and I was dialing leads. And if you would have asked me at that time, if I was a salesperson, I would have said no. Um, I just said, I'm a trainer, but I was literally calling leads eight hours a day, five days a week. That's all I did. Um, and so from there, I was I, like, I sort of realized at the end of it, oh, I'm a sales guy. <laughs> um, and then when I left that business, um, I, I sort of, I went back to my other business because I'd, I'd left, like we sort of split, but it was like, we did it on purpose. And he was holding down here and I was holding down here and we both had a vested interest in both. When I came back to that other business, the guy goes, Oh, I've been running it with, without you for years. Like if you fucking come back, I'm going to fire everybody. I was like, Jesus. Right. So I, um, like, I was like, Oh, okay. Um, so anyway, like sort of negotiated an exit, like a fairly modest one from that business, but it gave me kind of enough time to where I sort of had some level of security, um, not a lot, like it still wasn't enough to pay my bills, but it was enough to where I didn't go massively backwards. And that's when I started just like, I didn't really have much to fall back on. I had a second baby on the way and I was in a house that was very expensive to live in because I live in Sydney in the Eastern suburbs. Like it was $6,000 a month rent. Um, I was probably making $10,000 a month total. Right. So like I wasn't making enough to pay tax and all that kind of stuff. Right. So we were barely scraping by. Um, and I just started cold calling gyms and kind of doing my thing. And I think like I was an okay sales guy at that point. I was good compared to most in the space, but I was not a good salesperson. I would say, um, I just had an acumen for it. And then over the course of like, I guess making the active decision to be a full-time salesperson and then sort of taking all that stuff and doing everything in, in the way that I needed to do it to make a success out of it. Like that's where I started to systemize and process myself. And then I guess, make that transition to a sales professional. And then from there, learn the skills to be what I would consider like top 1% kind of sales rep. And now being that you're not just a sales a sales gun for hire and offering your services out there, you also are a business owner and whatnot as well. Like for the business owners out there listening and watching this as well, what what level of proficiency do they need to get to, do you think, if at all, before they start to bring on, on a sales team? Like, What's your view on the entrepreneur in a business um, who maybe has started doing some sales, maybe they're being somewhat successful? Like, How proficient do they need to get themselves? I think sales is a skill that no matter what you do in life, it's very good. Do I think you should go down the deep, dark rabbit hole and start kind of paying $50,000 for one-on-one sales? Probably not, right? It's probably not the move. Um, as much as I love selling that stuff, it's probably not the move for most business owners. They just need to get good enough to where they can, um, to where they can create consistency in their front end. 
think that's the biggest thing that I think stops a lot of businesses from growing is that they never figure out how to get a consistent front end. And it's not an easy nut to crack. I think it has to be like on the forefront of your mind, like not growing. It's like, how, how do you know what's coming in always? And then from there, you can start to make decisions to grow the business. But it's like most businesses, they hit an inflection point where they're doing the marketing, the sales and the delivery and the admin and the finances. And so it's like you need to make a decision as to what you're going to hand off and when and at what parts you do that. So like for me, the first thing that I the last thing I handed off was sales um, because I'm good at it. Like, you know, is it for you, if you were to go back the last thing you would stop is doing the marketing, like that'd be <laughs> like, you know I mean? That'd be ridiculous. So, um, in, you know, so it, it's like hand off small things and then you'll hit a point where hopefully you've handed off some of the admin, um, and some of the finance stuff with people who actually know what they're doing in that space. And then you'll hit a point where it's like delivery sales marketing. And those are the three things. And this is very much coaching and consulting space, but I think that's probably an agency space, which is, I think, where most of the people who are in this realm are, and that's where I am and where you are. And so that's when you go, if I want to be the sales guy, then I can go hard in the paint sales, but it means I can't be the delivery guy, mm. right? Um, you can't really do both effectively, especially not at scale. So it's just like, if you plan on going the sales route, then be a savage salesperson, um, if you plan on like outsourcing that, then get it to a point where you're consistent. There's somewhat of a system. Um, and knowing that that person's only going to be able to ever replicate maybe 60% of what you could do, because even a good sales guy, it's difficult to replicate what the business owner did because it's a different process entirely. Um, it's, it's almost like, like you, you might as well not give them sales recall recordings and a, and a script because what you're able to do versus what a sales rep is able to do when you're the guy on camera is chalk and cheese. And then and with that as well, obviously, as you mentioned, like finding the next person to come on and help you with sales. Um, I've seen a lot, uh, a lot of people struggle with this, like getting that next person on. And as you say, obviously there's expectations, expectation management around what they're going to be able to suffice. But being that now you've grown some pretty big teams in the world of sale, um, in the world of sales. And cause you guys obviously sell your own stuff. You do um, services where you do it for people, all that fun stuff. Uh, why do you think some people struggle to find salespeople? Are they just not putting them through the right sort of training or where do you think the big fall down is for most uh, businesses? I think like it's, to be honest, it's lack of patience and unrealistic expectations. That's why like um, I, I recommend, it depends on the level of business, right? But if, if there's someone who's a proven element who's in there, like let's say it's, it's you, the business owner, then you shouldn't stop selling when you bring on a sales guy right? And you should have a, a gradual buildup where that person has an opportunity to fail without dramatic consequences, right? And so I think what's wrong is when you go, here's the sales. <laughs> yeah, because everyone hates doing sales, right? So they, they, they want to hand it over. So they do it in an unrealistic fashion. And it's not common that you can get a salesperson that can just come in and start selling straight away. I have maybe three guys that can do that in the whole company of all the hundred sales reps that I have that I know can walk in and immediately sell. And they're unicorns. Like it's me, Marco, Anthony, and Jeff, right? Are probably the three guys or Yash as well, probably. So five, right? Um, are guys that I know no matter where I put them, they'll figure it out in probably four or five calls and then they'll start making sales, right? 
But those are like, they're, I call them unicorn reps and they're very difficult to replicate. And if your business has one and you don't identify it, you're kind of screwed because you'll think your marketing is way better than what it is, right? Which is a real problem. Um, so I think it's like they, they bring on salespeople too quickly. Um, they, they try and do it. Like I always, like I, I don't own like a recruiting company, but like if I would probably recommend going to a recruiter, um, because like you'll have an element of like, there should be some sort of guarantee behind it. Like, okay, like the, this is a product that you're buying, you know, you know, it's a person, but you're sort of buying a product and it will come with a certain level of like guarantee. Like we do some placement, but we don't do a lot of it because we have our own accounts. But um, like having something like that where there's a system they can plug into and then make sure that there's a methodology behind the sales um, and don't pigeonhole like the the salesperson should have a methodology, right? But like you can't force your guy to sell in a particular way, right? Like I like I'm obviously very NEPQ based, Jeremy Miner stuff. That's how I like to sell. But like if someone came in and they were killing it and they were using like Thor's style or whatever it was, like I'd be like, oh, you're killing it. Like why would I why would I, why would I stop you from doing that? But there seems to be from what I've seen, because I deal with a lot of sales reps, like they get pigeonholed into a very particular way of selling because they think that this is how you sell this account. And it's like, well, no, that's how those people have sold the account. But there's sort of different ways to skin the cat. And, and every individual, like, for example, like someone like me and you, let's say we use like Gulliver's style, phenomenal for someone like me and you. We can alpha and slap like wah, bah, 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 right just stay in the cage and just rumble with people and i find it fun right but if you take like a a, a 21 year old sort of more uh calm like smaller you know physically and emotionally kind of smaller human being they just won't pull it off and they'll come off like an idiot and it just won't play right so getting them to sell that way is kind of silly so you kind of have to allow the person to develop a style and then like, you know, have an underlying methodology, but kind of allow them to like, give them the time and the space to, and, and, and the, and the respect to be able to kind of go and take that and grow with it. But that takes time. You know what I mean? And a lot of business owners, like they're just in a hurry. And I think um, those self-imposed time frames are nothing but like detrimental in the overall and so let's say if a business owner's got someone on, they have given them a good time frame and they're they are building someone up and they're they're being patient. Like what are the metrics that you look for that show average, good, great? Like what what do you kind of look to identify from um from a salesperson? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um it, it's very, very account specific and almost industry specific. Like if you take like BizOp, right? Like let's say someone who's selling like e com stores to people who want to transition out of a nine to five, like if you're selling that at like 30%, you're a rock star, like straight up bona fide rock star. But like in a coaching and consulting program, like where they're sort of being nurtured and it's warm audience stuff, like I think you should be doing better than that. You know what I mean? But I think like the key is like setting a baseline of activity. Um, so because everyone's kind of going to graduate. So it's hard to say like a close rate. You know what I mean? But you can have certain metrics. Like for me, I like to have a 50% cash to contract ratio. So like I incentivize my sales team to collect 50% cash, right? So they have they get a bonus if they do that, right? Um, we also have like targets, like specific targets for them to hit. 
Um, so like if I have a look at like seventh level, which, which I own, which is my coaching business. Right. So, um, and I also do this for sales sniper and everything else is like, I have my projections for the next two years based on like what I think is a reasonable, somewhat aggressive, but not over the top outlandish kind of projection. And then my whole team, all like the key leadership people are like, that's their goal. And so like they get remunerated when that goal is hit. So it's like every month, if we hit projection, they get a bonus, which helps the whole team kind of work together. And in the same way where like we have cash collection bonuses, we have PIF bonuses, we have um, like cash collection to contract value bonuses, and we have hitting revenue target bonuses. So that means that like we, we remunerate the entire team based off coming together under a common goal, which I think is super important because then you have like a collaborative um yet competitive environment but it's not like a gross competitive environment where everyone's just like you know trying to vie for bullshit but you're kind of renumerated on a team so i would say for setters you definitely want activity right like for our guys if they're doing outbound dialing it's a minimum hundred dollars a day right that's a minimum um with the hope to do about 200 but obviously conversation rate's going to dictate a lot of that right so um they should be doing 100 outbound now if they, at least they have maybe 20 calls and 20 pick up and they have 20, 20 minute conversations. It's going to be a different story, but in general, that's what we're looking for. Um, from there, uh, we'll set a baseline over a three month period. So I don't really set many KPIs for the first three months. And then we set that first three months as the baseline of dials to pickups, pickups to conversations, conversations to bookings, bookings to show up, show up to uh, conversion to sales caller for doing that and then show up to sales call conversion and then i track all the objections and stuff like that so if we if we can set that as a baseline then we can go okay for this particular account that's the baseline and then it's like so all of our kpis are going to be based on that and then we'll reassess them every quarter and we'll just bump those numbers up if it's getting easier and easier and easier and easier to hit the kpis then it's like okay cool then we need to kind of bump them up a little bit until we hit kind of an inflection point where it's like okay if we do this we know that we have a predictable revenue from that particular source of leads or whatever it may be right um because like for example like i would never uh have the same metrics for facebook group leads as i would for instagram leads right like ig leads just are not as good <laughs> right there's a shitload of them right <laughs> you know what i mean like tiktok leads jesus mate like they're just like i mean tiktok's clearly trying to take market share right so like they're just giving you cheap leads you know, like that's the way I look at it. So you might as well make hay while the sun shines, but they're cheap as shit and they're terrible. So it's like having the same metric for both. It's kind of silly. So it's like, well, I don't know what the metrics are going to be for TikTok. So let's just let it ride for three months, two months. And then from there, we'll look back go over the data and then we'll figure out what we could be doing better. Like what can we fix from a process? What can we fix from a skill? And what is just the nature of the beast? Like a podcast lead, you're going to close them every time. You know, yeah. so like I, I don't need the same metrics, you know, so it's a really difficult. It's one of those questions. It's like the more, you know, the more difficult that question becomes to answer. Whereas if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you go, oh, 30% close rate. <laughs> like, well, okay. You know, so the more I dive into it, the, the more difficult those questions become to answer and the more nuanced they become because like I'm in the back end of like 35 different seven and eight figure businesses now and I've seen like there just is no cookie cutter when it comes to doing this correctly. And I think with time, they can all be figured out. It's just whether or not you can be afforded the time. And 
And like in those in those first 90 days when you're collecting that data for obviously the individuals coming through as well, are there specific red flags that you've noticed where you're like, mm, obviously you've got to get, you've got the balance of giving that person time, energy and effort. And then there's like red flags where you're like, you should probably cut them a bit earlier. Is there anything that's kind of stand out for you that you've seen, whether it be from like attitude perspective or from a deliverable perspective? Okay. So the way that I do it is I put everyone through a boot camp before they start selling. So I run a boot camp once a month. We do a setter boot camp and then the next month we do a closer boot camp and we just flop like that, right? They pay like a thousand bucks. So I have like a barrier to entry to even apply to work on one of our accounts, right? So, so um, and we listen, we've just been able to do that because we can do that. So not that it's super replicatable, but it used to be free. Um, so we have like a four week period where like they go through and we set targets for them. I recommend everyone do like an audition period, right? Where there's no base, then you have them like generate their own, like here's a list, right? Go through outbound dial book calls. I don't expect you to create much, but I expect you to give it a red hot crack. Right. And anyone who says like, uh, it's like, well, fucking beat it <laughs> you know what i mean unless you've gone after them specifically because you know they're a savage then it's a different story right but like so i'll just set activity goals and i'll be like hey here's a list of leads just go for it you know what i mean and then like they're batting cleanup they're doing follow-ups they're just doing activity-based stuff because like i want to see who wants to be there you know um and so i'll do that and then i have a cultural interview as well right so we have someone at at like at the company who is specifically around hiring culture and sort of like a team dad, you know what I mean? Someone who who actually is my dad, right? So, um, his full time job is to keep these kids on the rails, you know what I mean? But he really understands kind of what the business is and what it isn't, and he has obviously my best interest at heart. So, like, he has sort of an interview with people, and then he just goes, "Hey, this is my thoughts on them," and sort of does a bit of a write up. And you can have anyone in your organization do that. You can do it yourself and just have like a, hey, where do you want to be in one year, three years, five years? Uh, like, what are your skill sets? What are your gaps? Like, what do you want to get out of this relationship besides just money? Like, what are your goals? Your What are your ethics? Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, and you can just kind of get a feel as to whether or not they're a good fit. And you can find someone who's a great salesperson, but if they're not a good fit, there's probably not much point bringing them on. You're better off getting someone who has a baseline skill set, has the correct attitude, and is a cultural fit because that is someone who can be in your business like long term. Um, you know, and then uh, once you find a good place, and then you know, you just work with them, and and hopefully you can get them better and better and better. And you know, it's a it's a really good relationship. Like if you have a look at like say someone like a Dan Bolton, you know, he has a great sales guy called Dallas. He's in uh, reason why I know him is because he's in our training. Do you know what I mean? He was pretty average to begin with. I'm not sure if he watches this podcast, but but he's a great guy, really put the effort in. Dan put him into inner circle. And then we trained him, trained him, trained him, trained him, trained him. And like through the law of attrition, the dude just became really good. And you know, once you've been on an offer for six or eight months and you're getting trained and you have someone who believes in you and you're given the runway, like you can become really good at selling it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And um, now Matt, I could probably sit here and talk to you about sales and, and uh, business and stuff, fun stuff all day, but I do want to make sure I stay on time here. So um, as we get towards the end of our time here together, I always like to ask the same question, which is, what's the question which I didn't ask you that I should have? Oh, um, 
I don't know. I guess it depends. It's going to be like most valuable for, for your guys. Like over the last couple of years, I've managed to grow some businesses and, and, and do some things. And I would say, I think people probably have a misconception as to like what, what people see like the sales skill is like the core reason for it. Um, but it's definitely not right. Uh, and the thing that I think that set my company apart and the reason why we're able to get to multiple eight figures is because there was a, a real consistency of two things. The one was like content, like super consistent with content. And the second was like, we have a very clear core set of ethics within the business that we will not compromise for any reason. Um, and that seeps down into the culture. Like I have teachings of how to identify someone who should not be sold, right? Which doesn't really make any sense if you just want to sell everybody, right? But like, I, like I've learned some styles in the past of selling where it's like, just fucking sell everyone. It's like, oh, it's great. And just like, if they don't buy, they're a fucking idiot and they're, you know, this and this and this. It's like, okay, well, first of all, like I've been broke, right? So I've been in a position where like I would have done nearly anything to do so, but I'm not going to take food out of my kid's mouths. You know what I mean? That's just crazy towns. So I think having a level of empathy for someone's position allows you to then farm them long-term and then create a great relationship and get referrals and stuff like that. But I think like having a real key, like ethical driver for your business as to how you want your business to be perceived on the outside and how you conduct yourself on the inside. I think that's really important to having a really great culture and all the businesses that I've seen that really grow and take off and they all have phenomenal cultures. Well, let's stay anyway. There's some flashes in the pan that just kind of come in and out over the course of a couple of years. But I think like, you know, that's a really key part. So I would say the question would be like, what is a key driver behind business that isn't sales and marketing? And I would say it's like ethics and like a, a really key, a really good culture where everyone can kind of get behind it. And everyone is like sort of driven by the same North star. I don't see that in many businesses. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And now Matt, for anyone that's listened to this and they've said, look, I, I like the, the cut of this guy's jib. Um, I want to find out more about what he's up to. Where's the best place for people to go and connect with you online? Uh, Instagram, real Matt Ryder. Um, no underscores. There are a bunch of fake ones selling crypto and Forex scams. Um, and then just me on Facebook. And then you can go to salesniper.net and, uh, or you can just say my name into your phone and I'm, I'm sure that Google will figure it out. Just say my name near TikTok, and I'm sure. (laughs) You'll get all these shirtless Matt videos. Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, you pay a lot for this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. And guys, so if you're listening to this and if you know maybe a business owner who hasn't been able to make that next step with their sales and sales process, please share this episode with them. Or if you know someone in sales, uh, maybe they've been hitting a little bit of a a rut or a lull, uh, please share this episode with them and uh, get some of Matt's uh, wisdom and knowledge into their ears so they can uh, see what they can do next. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. 